Okay, hi everyone, good evening. So we're gonna begin with um, 25 or so minutes of um, uh, mindfulness practice. Um, and then I'll have a few words um, after that and hopefully there'll be a little bit of time for some back and forth and conversation after that. Um, so please get in a comfortable position. Just take a few moments to check in with how you're doing. Feel the sensations throughout the body. Noticing if there are any places that feel particularly tired or tense. And of course, take a few moments to feel the contact between your body and the seat beneath you. Feel the sensations produced by that contact, the pressure. Then check in with quality of your mind. Does your mind feel um, uh, very active, agitated? Just notice that. Are there any particular kinds of thoughts that are running through your mind at this time? You notice that. And then also <clears throat> check in with your feelings, your emotions, your mood. Are there any particular emotions? that seem predominant at this moment. And how do they feel in the body? And now please bring your awareness to the breath in your nose, feeling the sensations produced by the passage of your breath in and out of your nose. You can park your awareness right there inside the tip of your nose. Just feel the sensations produced there in the soft tissue of your nostrils as air passes in and out of the body. As you continue attending to the breath and the nose, just let your awareness become just gradually ever more textured, really feeling the subtle variations in the sensations in your nose 
throughout the course of each in-breath and out-breath. Notice the difference in quality between the in-breath and the out-breath. And then begin to notice with ever more detail the variations in the sensations throughout the course of a single in-breath, a single out-breath, how the sensations feel different at the beginning, the middle, and the end of each inhalation and exhalation, really feeling those sensations. We're not thinking about the breath really feeling the breath. You might also pay special attention to the sensations at the very end of every exhalation, noticing a slight pause before the beginning of the next inhalation. <clears throat> Feel the sensations at the end of each exhalation, really paying attention to how they feel all the way to the end of each outbreath. And notice that brief pause before the next inhalation just naturally begins. And then when your awareness is drawn away by thoughts, as of course it will be and probably already has been, just notice that you become carried away by thoughts. Notice what kind of thought or thoughts have pulled you away from the breath. And then gently bring your awareness back to the breath. Remember that thinking is natural, that the mind will be carried away by thoughts time and again. That your job is just to notice when that happens. There's nothing wrong with being carried away by thoughts. Just notice that it's happened. Take note what kinds of thoughts pull you away. And come back to the breath without any judgment. Now please bring your awareness to your chest and just feel the rise and fall of the chest as you breathe. The sensations in the ribcage, in the sternum, just really feeling 
the chest expand and then fall as your lungs fill up with air and then exhale. By the time we are adults, I think all of us have acquired a decent amount of habitual chronic tension in the muscles involved with our breathing. I would wager that for none of us does our breath feel completely free and open. There's almost always some kind of tightness, some kind of contraction involved in the breath. So as you pay attention to the sensations in the chest, don't be surprised if you notice some tension. It's part of your experience of the breath. Please don't see that as a problem, not something just to get rid of, but rather notice that as part of your experience of the breath. You're breathing in and out and there's some tension likely in the muscles of the ribs, the chest, the belly, that you feel as you breathe. Just let that be part of your awareness. Now let your awareness move down into your belly. And just feel the sensations in the belly that are associated with the breath. For some of you, the belly will move substantially as you breathe in and out. And for others, the belly will move very little. Perhaps you breathe mostly in your chest. No need to manipulate or alter how your belly moves. Just notice how your belly feels naturally as you breathe in and out. The slight rise and fall. And now, try letting your awareness hold all three spots, nose, belly, and chest in your awareness simultaneously. So we're continuing to follow the breath, but really feeling the breath throughout the whole upper body, from the point at which the breath enters the body, to its movement down into the belly. 
Now, while you continue following the breath in the nose, the chest, and the belly, let it include in your awareness the sounds in your environment. So you're feeling the breath and listening to all the sounds around you at the same time. If it feels difficult to hold all three breath spots in your awareness at the same time, feel free to just pick one that feels most natural and comfortable to you. You can just follow the breath in the nose or the chest or the belly. Just follow the breath in some way at one spot and keep listening to all the sounds in the environment around you. Let your awareness of the breath and sounds be soft, open, porous. Not trying to follow the breath and listen to sounds to the exclusion of any other kind of perception. You might still notice other sensations in the body. You might notice the passage of thoughts through the mind. Let all that be there. And just stay grounded in the present moment by continuing to attend to your breath and the sounds around you.
At this moment, can you hear sounds around you? Are you present right now to the sensations of the breath? For this final minute or so of our sitting together, let go of your focus on the breath and sounds and just feel the body as a whole sitting here. Of course, the breath will be part of experience the body, but let your awareness just feel the body as a whole.
Okay, great. Thank you, everyone. Feel free to move, get comfortable, get a drink of water. Did anyone have something that came up for them during this sitting that they would like um, to ask about? Something that um, you might want some advice about how to work with, certain kind of thought or emotion or sensation or, or something else? Or that you might just want to share um, with others? Okay, so um, tonight I want to return to a question that, um, or a topic that actually Kevin introduced, um, raised a couple weeks ago about what this practice, what Zen practice has to say about um, the idea of self-esteem. Um, and uh, So I just wanted to say a little bit more about, I think, how I understand um, the way that this kind of practice that we're doing would um, help someone who um, is suffering from low self-esteem. Um, one of the things I said, and I won't go into any detail about the response I gave a couple of weeks ago, um, is that essentially I feel like um, Zen practice is not deeply concerned with um, the kind of, uh, with self-esteem as a kind of problem, that it's not about cultivating self-esteem or um, helping someone um, increase their self-esteem if they have low self-esteem. Um, but I realized after I... Um, said that, that I think there's, you know, the idea of what self-esteem is might be a little bit ambiguous. And I definitely did not want to suggest that somehow um, uh, Zen practice would be unconcerned with, um, with, like the issue of feeling like we don't have worth or like we don't have value um, or we don't regard ourselves in a, in a positive light. Um, um, I think it actually has a lot to say about those kinds of feelings, um, those kind of tendencies. And I think it has a lot, has, it has a lot to offer um, to someone who um, feels like they, they don't have a lot of worth or value in their own eyes. Um, I think that um, when I said that uh, Zen practice um, isn't really um, concerned with self-esteem, I think I meant something, and I want to sort of um, be a little bit more precise and specific about this. I think that um, it's not really concerned with helping us cultivate a positive self-image. Um, you know, like a, an idea about ourselves as being like a good person or worthy, you know. Um, um, I mean, in short, and I'll say a little bit more about this because I think it's not really interested in um, cultivating any particular image that we have about ourselves, right? Uh, in a very deep way, I think it's actually asking us um, to explore the possibility that any 
kind of images or ideas that we have about ourselves are limited or limiting. Um, so it's obvious that negative self images, like I'm worthless, I'm, I'm, I'm no good at anything, right? I'm unlovable. It's obvious that these are limiting, right? Um, and, uh, uh, and, um, and limited, right? But I think um, it, this practice that we're doing, I think would say that positive self-images, like I'm a good person, like I'm strong, like I'm competent, right? Are also limited and limiting, right? Um, so it's not about substituting, um, definitely not about substituting negative self-images with positive ones. And this is one of the reasons why you won't hear anything about affirmations, right? Um, in this context, it's, we're not going to, you know, tell ourselves that um, I'm a good person, I'm strong, um, I'm I'm loving, I'm worthy, or this or that, right? Um, not because there's anything wrong with those thoughts, right? But I think they're kind of um, uh, they're a very fragile and weak antidote um, to uh, the negative kind of thoughts that we would use as affirmations to counteract. Um, we, they, at best, they could like layer over those other kinds of thoughts, right? Um, and may temporarily make us feel better, um, but they do nothing to actually um, uproot the kind of tenacious hold that those negative images have. And so they would just like cover them, you know. But when push came to shove, those negative ones would reassert themselves, you know, um, when we're in, in a feeling some kind of deep stress or something triggers um, those thoughts and activates them, you know, uh, a negative event in our life. Someone says something, you know, so yeah, yeah, I'm not strong. I'm weak, you know. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, I knew I was worthless. I, I, I tried to tell myself I was okay, but I know I always knew I wasn't. And now I see it, everyone sees it, right? Um, So really, you know, the idea is, can we start to notice very, with as much precision as possible, whatever kind of images that we might have about ourselves, positive or negative. And I think for a lot of people, there's a complicated mix, you know, um, you know, we can feel simultaneously like egotistical, you know, and like a piece of shit, like completely worthless. I mean, it's like the, the human mind, you know, contains multitudes. And um, and so um, in any case, it's just to see how um, we are often kind of holding to different kinds of ideas that we may have about ourselves to kind of solidify our sense of who we are, to really like have some kind of purchase like the um i don't know about all of you i, I actually would be interested to hear what people have to say about this um but um my own self image is actually pretty negative um the thoughts i have about myself um are actually like so when I, when we're talking about like low self-esteem um i think definitely i fall into that category of being someone who has pretty low self-esteem like in terms of like the kinds of thoughts that i have about myself you know um i think the deepest core beliefs that i have about myself are that like i'm worthy i'm unworthy i'm unworthy i'm not good enough you know i can't do this um, and so, um, so when I'm talking about working with these kind of thoughts, I'm, I'm also negative, you know, thoughts about self. I'm also talking from my own experience of, of like, what has actually been helpful. And so, um, what has been helpful has not been somehow trying to convince myself that I'm worthy 
or good. And anyone who has suffered from low self-esteem knows that other people telling you that you're worthy and good does almost no good, right? Um, you have this kind of like like really powerful deflection shield that you can just like point at anyone who says, I feel like, yeah, yeah, sure. You can nod politely, you know, and say, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. But, you know, inside and maybe even on the outside, you're kind of like, no. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really believe you, but thank you. That's very kind of you. <laughs> um, and so um, what has been profoundly helpful for me is really just noticing when those kinds of like negative thoughts emerge and really um, like sort of just like labeling them, but also I think then most importantly, feeling the kind of hold as those thoughts have on my body, the way that it makes me feel tight in the belly, in the chest, in the throat. Because all those kinds of negative self-thoughts will have some kind of a pattern of bodily activation, a very, usually very unpleasant kind of way they activate the body, you know. And so it's really um, just being with, really holding in as gentle and awareness as possible, and sometimes it's not possibly very gentle, but as gentle as possible, those sensations in the body, really feeling like the tightness, you know, the kind of pit in the stomach, that the, the sense of smallness, right? The sense of kind of hunched overness or whatever it may be, you know? And then um, just holding that in awareness, really just um it's 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 interesting it's almost like sometimes it's hard you know i think it's natural to think that the thoughts lead to the um the feelings in the body right um that the thoughts activate the body in this way and that really like all we'd really need to do is to kind of like notice that they're just thoughts and that the bodily activation, where we stop feeling that kind of sense of smallness or inadequacy in the body. But I think that for these really old and deep core beliefs, the kind that I'm talking about, um, I think the bodily patterns, the kind of feeling of the body, take on a kind of life of their own. You know, they almost become like a form of cellular memory. Um, and so even when we can see that, oh yeah, that's a thought, that's just a thought, we see that somehow it doesn't really affect the, like what it's doing to your body, that it can feel just so unpleasant and bad. And that, and it's almost as if then the body, those feelings in the body are what actually keep feeding the thoughts, you know, like, um, and so, um, you know, like I just, I, I, I feel so bad in the body. And then, yeah, that just confirms the fact that I'm no good because look at me, I just feel like I have no energy. Like I can't do anything. I'm incapable, you know? Um, and I think that the real magic, if you want to put it a practice, kind of practice we do, is being with the sensation of the body for long enough with as much awareness as possible so that we can start to um, not be so reactive to them so that we don't, keep like letting them feed the thoughts and and i this is actually like something that i don't think i have a very good theoretical explanation for but when we can be with these really unpleasant negative sensations of the body and sometimes this just means for like a sitting Sometimes it could mean for days. Sometimes it could be for a few weeks. I mean, you can we go through stretches of time where these these things assert themselves and they have a grip on us, right? And actually, very recently, I just had like a week long stretch where I just was like there was an old kind of pattern that was activated, and I start to feel like, wow, you know, man, I am lost. I'm no good. You know, I didn't. And there, even when I have thoughts like this, I'm, I think to myself like, what am I even doing? like teaching these Tuesday night class. What am I even doing teaching like, you know, this at Williams? What am I, what do I have to offer anyone? Right. Um, and, um, and, and it, at whenever those kinds of patterns assert themselves, I mean, the bodily patterns, you know, it often takes me a little while, sometimes not too long, but sometimes quite a while, you know, like a few days or even like 
to to actually just like remember again. No, okay, wait. I don't need to run with the thoughts that that these feelings are producing in me. Like like thoughts like I gotta find a different job. Like I'm not doing. What am I doing with my life? You know, I am. Um, like this last time, it got so bad. I had a conversation with my wife. Like I just think I need to. Like I, something's not right. You know. Um, but then I said, no. Let me just like, because like if you you realize after a while, you can't think your way out of these feelings. <laughs> you know, they're just like they're just you just go in circles and you just you don't know which way to go. And then especially if you if you've been practicing for a while, at some point. You just remember, let me just be with this. You know, let me just really just be with what this is. Because what else? Like, there is no clarity that's going to come from thinking my way out of this. I'm not going to think my way out of this problem. Like, can I just experience what's actually going on? Because at the very least, I know that I'm with reality at that point. You know, I'm actually at least with what is. I'm with my life as it is, you know. It may feel very unpleasant. I may want to run like hell from it, but I know, alas, that there actually is nowhere to run to because anywhere I could go, I'm going to be there, right? That old saying. Um, and and you can almost tell, I could tell, I don't know, from the very kind of like disorientation confusion, like that there seems no clarity about what I, would help, that I'm just lost in an old cycle. And that's actually a good indication. Like actually like, let me stop running around like, like a chicken with his head cut off and actually just sit with this feeling. And you sit with it, and then something magical happens. And I think some of you, many of you may already have experienced, like, this thing that seemed so solid, like this molten ball of lead in your belly or something like that, right? At first, it's just, you can start to, okay, I can just be with this. And that itself is kind of a form of peace. It's a very uncomfortable form of peace, but it's like just not running around hairy, right? Like trying to run away from it. That itself can be kind of settling. But then... It's almost like the feeling starts to become not as much of a problem. And it starts to even kind of soften. And then you there might even be moments where it starts, it just isn't there. It just dissolves. And you realize actually, my God, like I could have like started looking for a different job or tried to change my life in some radical way to get rid. And yet now this feeling that was driving me to do that is not even there, right? And so you can see like all, you know, the, the cliche about the, the the 50 something year old guy who buys a sports car, right? Like, like there could be so much money saved, people not doing those kind of things, right? Or other kinds of like breaking up, you know, with, with someone who, you know, you think that, oh, I just need a new partner. Or I need new this or that, right? You know, whatever it may be. So many things that we can do to run away from this feeling, which just can, you can see through practice. It's just, as the Buddha say, it's like, it's empty. It's empty of substance. You know, um, but it's hard, and I have a lot of sympathy for people um, who say it's too much. You know, like I don't, I, I'm just gonna do something else. And actually, I was, I've been reading a lot more novels for fun lately. I mean, as an English professor, I think I don't do that nearly enough because you end up reading so much for work. But I realized, like, you know, not too long ago, like, I gotta just make time to read more books that have nothing to do with work, aren't for research, aren't for teaching, you know? And I've just been, you know, I'm really, like, if humans weren't the way I was describing them right now, you wouldn't have fiction. <laughs> you wouldn't, you know, like, fiction is about people, like, finding all these different ways, like, run away from their problems and then like clash up against each other. And then finally, like often to come to some kind of resolution, but you know, it's just like that this is the human drama, you know? Um, so, um, so, and okay. So actually to get back to the issue of self-esteem, I mean, I'm not gonna, I, I don't want to talk too long, but so it's not about replacing my negative core beliefs with positive ones, you know, because I just don't, I, in my experience that that's, it's just not a robust, answer to the kind of depth of the issue because these core beliefs go so deep and these affirmations are just never gonna like you're not gonna you can't recode that kind of level of programming you know um and also this experience i'm talking about of like being with these sensations seeing them just transform like dissolve even right soften at least but sometimes even dissolve shows that actually we don't need to get rid of them we just need to find a different way to be with them to relate to them now, 
part of what's involved is really actually just approaching how we are, including all this incredible negative energy that I think I contain, I think a lot of people contain. I'll say this, and I say, I don't, I'm just, I'm curious what you all have to say, but I remember saying to my own Zen teacher once, you know, I think I'm broken. I actually, and I, and I put it this way, actually, I put it as a question, a kind of fishing question. Like, you ever come across people who maybe are just too broken, too screwed up to actually really, like, you know, get far with this kind of practice. Like maybe something just happened to some of us when we we're young that just screwed us up so bad that, you know, like we can get a little bit out of meditation, but we're never going to come actually. And um, my teacher who had been teaching for 30 years at that point said he actually had not yet encountered a Zen student who didn't feel that way, who hadn't said something similar um, to him during these like interviews about practice. And that was actually, I found that really like reassuring. And but I don't want to generalize. I'm not going to like assume everyone here feels this way, but I just like, if you do, um, I just want to pass that on. Like we are not alone, actually. We, um, and, um, and I think that, you know, even with the best kind of parenting, even with backgrounds that aren't, you know, col colored by trauma, I think it's just very easy for us to pick up these kind of, you know, like, negative core beliefs, these kind of feelings like, I'm not quite good enough. You know, something's wrong with me, you know? And that's not incompatible with feeling like generally pretty competent and good about yourself, right? That's not at all. Um, but that at some level, I think what brings all, so many of us to practice like this is because we think there's something off, you know? Um, something off with us, not quite right, you know? Um, so, um, so I think part of what this practice involves is really attending to that level of suffering with kindness, with gentleness, right? And so that isn't that that produces actually a sense of acceptance, um, a, a kind of warmth towards ourselves, which I think is quite different from like a positive self-image. It's more like a positive, warm energy towards ourselves, you know, including the parts of ourselves that think we're not good enough. You know, um, so there is like something that I think you would, could rightly describe as self-esteem, self-regard that is cultivated by practice, right? But I just want to distinguish, I think it's not like a self-image that's positive. Um, it's more like the ability to accept ourselves with warmth, warts and all, which I think is actually much stronger, much more powerful than any image, because I think all images are fragile. I mean, that's, you know, they're all attempts to kind of fix into some kind of solid form what in reality is unfixable. Um, and that's what Buddhism is ultimately about, right? It's like we are not, we cannot be contained in any image, no matter what, you know. And um, I think that's all that the idea of the emptiness of the self means, or no self. I think that's all it really means. It's just that we contain multitudes and these multitudes are always in flux. You know, that's that's just what it is. Okay. So anyway, um, I, I I felt like what I said about self-esteem was, a, you know, it was a, in, in the Q&A period, so it was like quick and I just wanted to make sure I, I circled back to it and said a bit more. I also do think it like touches on some pretty broad general issues about practice. So I thought it'd be useful in that way. So I don't know. Anyone want to, I'm just going to leave the floor open for a few minutes if anyone wants to ask anything or please feel free just to say something, just to share something. Hi, Bernie. Uh, I just wanted to make an observation that I, I somehow I think that there's something really dignified about this practice too. Like, uh, I think that somehow when I'm sitting, I, I feel like I sort of, uh, there's a kind of dignity to it um, that I think is also in a way kind of antidote to those like bad thoughts about yourself. I totally agree, Kevin. I mean, it's one of the most difficult and courageous things just to sit erect, right, amidst 
the, the, the difficulties and storms that we can sometimes experience, right? As part of what we're doing. There's incredible dignity to that. And I think um, there's a reason for us to feel good about ourselves doing this, you know, um, that, we, that, we, that we do this. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, thank you for asking that question a couple weeks ago. It, 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 yeah. Hi, Sylvia. Hi, hi. Um, I think you said some really important things um, just now. Um, you made things very clear to me um, with the fact that this acceptance and um, of who we are and not trying to make a perfect picture and the fact that we're always in flux gives us so much leeway to be everything that we are with change, which is always happening. So it gives us license to be bigger than a small, constant, fixed ideal, which I think becomes a problem. And this honesty uh, of seeing ourselves who we are. And I think that's like a really, uh, it gives us so many possibilities mm -hmm. to make life better every day. And I think that kind of, in, in a way, that's a way also to, to grapple with decisions you have to make and with avoiding a crisis by making a drastic change when if you just wait a little bit, mm -hmm. things will fall into place. And it's not that you've made, like you said, it's not like it was explained to you. It just becomes clear where the next step is. Uh, and I think that's something that's, it is hard because you have to be courageous and you have to be honest and everything that we've said tonight goes in that direction and it's it's very encouraging thank you thanks sylvia yeah yeah it's worth acknowledging i mean this like it's, not, it's like it's hard it can be hard at, yeah. at times to do to do this right yeah. I'm, I've only taught two class meetings of my Zen class at Williams. So I was like, I have now like, I have 93 students, actually no, it's 91 students in the class. Um, and we're reading Thich Nhat Hanh's pieces every step. We just did a little bit of um, John Kabat-Zinn, the, uh, the class before. And students write a little post every single class about their readings. And what's interesting is how like a significant number of students just don't believe that they can actually be with the kind of negative emotions and feelings that we're talking about tonight. Um, and this is early days. I'm not, I'm very used to this, you know, this, this response, but it's like, yeah, this idea of being with your fear, your anger, like that sounds nice in theory, but I actually, I really doubt it's possible, you know? Um, and I think it's, it's just, um, I understand it, um, and, and there's a part of me that um, I don't know. It just—it's always like it's always like, whoa, yeah, right. This is actually like this is how a lot of people feel. It's like um, like that we do not have the capacity. I think, and that's where I think Kevin's idea of dignity, like like we don't think highly of our, ourselves enough to believe that we could actually sit with the fullness of our experience, especially when it's negative, it's unpleasant. And what needs to be expanded is our sense of our own capacities, our ability to hold ourselves, you know? Um, and so people are, like many people, I think, um, naturally feel a little bit in, in fear of their own inner depths. Like they don't feel like they can actually even fully experience what might come up within themselves. It's not just that the world might throw too much at you, which we can understand, like I inside myself have things that I cannot contain that that terrify me, right? And so I think one of the biggest things that um, I hope this class can give them is this sense that no, you know, you can do more than you realize. It can be difficult. It can take time, but you can. Yeah. <clears throat> I 
it's 8 31 so um i don't want to hold people late um so um it's good for tonight and of course the conversation is always to be continued so can we sit for one minute together um if you don't have to run off and before we say good night okay that'd be nice i'll tell you when it's over I kind of don't want to stop sitting, but it's time to say good night. <laughs> good night, everyone. Really good to see you all. <clears throat>